Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 76 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today has proven to be a master of surprise. In his ROH debut in 2020, he upset the man who is now the Ring of Honor world champion, Bandito. Then in his return at Death Before Dishonor a couple weeks ago, he won the Honor Rumble to earn a future ROH world title shot against Bandito on Ring of Honor TV. He is the sauce, Alex Zane. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here back in in Ring of Honor. Uh, But let's first talk about, uh, obviously, your your release from WWE last month. Uh, It occurred on their latest round of cuts. Uh, Taylor Rust, who was our guest on last week's show, he was also part of that. So let me ask you this question. How soon after your release was made public did your phone start ringing from other promoters? Because I'm going to guess it was pretty quickly it was definitely pretty quickly but actually um even quicker before the release was made public i was already on the phone with uh as many promoters as i had the contact information for i was texting them or i was messaging them or i was emailing them uh because taco bell ain't free you know so i had to get out there get out there and start moving uh had 30 days to get it together and and fortunately it came together quite nicely but yeah, the, the schedule was, it was crazy, like a really crazy weekend because I got released that Friday, um, which oddly enough was the same Friday that uh, my match against the Cruiserweight champion Kushida had aired. And so like things were hot anyway. And then that weekend I had filled like September and October almost completely by Monday. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, the, the dates were flying off the shelves. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, suddenly a guy of, of your talent, your experience becomes available on the market. Uh, no, you know, no surprise to anyone that, uh, that there's going to be uh, some, some takers right away. Uh, but it really, it's, it does sound like it was perfect timing, not if there could be perfect timing for such mm-hmm. an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, the match against Kushida, airing that day certainly had your name out there and it was it was a critically acclaimed match um boy what that's kind of going out with a bang too isn't it i mean it really is it really is you couldn't ask for a better out and and oddly enough that specific match wasn't even the one that was actually supposed to happen that night uh due to injury on uh guru raj which was who i was originally supposed to face that night um he got injured the night before and then I was thrown into the match with Kushida. So yeah, if it was, if it, if it was going to happen, you couldn't ask for a better, like, I don't know, perfect storm in a way. Um, 
And that's kind of how I always look at anything and everything. Like when they, when they first gave me the call, you know, the, to release me whatever, like it was less about like, Oh man, like what am I going to do now versus, Oh man, what do I get to do now? You know, and just looking for silver linings at all times. That's, that's my whole thing. Yeah. I talked about this with, uh, I almost said Russ Taylor, Taylor Rust. I got to get used to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <it's> tough. <laughs> <laughs> I talked uh, to him about this last week and that it's, it's obviously no one ever wants to get released from their job or, you know, told for whatever the reason, whether it's budget cuts or they're going in a new direction, it's still a bummer to be told, you know, your services are no longer needed. But on the other hand, and believe me, um, Alex, I've been there. Um, I was, a writer, <laughs> I was a writer at WWE for three years. Oh, I was man. part of budget cuts in 2014. So, yeah, so you know, you know, the I feeling. know, I know what it's like when someone comes in the room and says, uh, HR needs to see you. Well, I guess you didn't get it that way. You got a phone call, but yeah, but the same thing, you see that phone call, you know, after right. so many releases happen, you see that number light up at a, at an hour that, uh, isn't normal. And it could really be two, one of two things, you know, they just need something or, they don't need something anymore, you know? So it was, I saw the number light up and I kind of, you know, felt it in the moment. Just like, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. It was when all the, uh, we knew the cuts were coming. They were, you know, they were rumored, not rumored. Right. Like we, we knew it was going to be a thing. Right. And it started that morning where, you know, you just see one by one as you're in the office, you know, people getting mm -hmm. the call and then they're not coming back. And, um, right. you know, when you see that person walking towards you and says, Hey, come, 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 uh, you know, come with me to human resources. You're like, all right, my number's up. But I had the same reaction that you did. It's like for like, it's a bummer. And, and for like a day, it's like, man, that kind of sucks. But then at least with me, like the next day, I'm like, okay, now what next? Now it's like a blank page. And like, you right. said, like you said, it's now like, what can I do now? Have you ever seen like the videos of like people getting, I mean, of course, like people getting hurt in any fashion. And the first, the first thing they do is like run. They're like, they're trying to run away from the pain. Yes. I feel like that was kind of like my reaction. Now looking back at it was like, as soon as I got the call, my first reaction wasn't to like boohoo about it. My first reaction was just, you know, let's get on the phone, get, get the wheels to turn in here, you know, immediately. So <laughs> yeah, my, like I said, the day after it happened to me, I, I got out my notebook and started making a list of nice uh, where are the places I can work next. And, and honestly, ring of honor was at the top of my list. Of and, course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm a, I'm from Baltimore anyway, and ring of honor was, you know, their home offices are right in my backyard. Right. Home, right. It just made too much sense for it not to happen. So and it's, and it's beautiful too. And, you know, people say what they will about um, just any WWE situation. Obviously they uh, they're always under kind of like a microscope or whatever, but um, and under a lot of fire at times, but you know, being in that position definitely helps you get in other positions. Once you do leave, like yeah. I wouldn't be in my current position that I'm in now necessarily without having done that. I mean, maybe I would through some other crazy turn of events, but yeah. That just happened to be how I got here, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that definitely doesn't hurt. That's for sure. Right, right. So you ended up uh, overall, you were there, what, just a little less than a year? Yeah, yeah, about 10 months, something like that, maybe 11. Um, started at the 1st of December, so, you know, quick math. Okay. Well, yeah. well how would you describe your experience there overall? And um I'm not asking that as a leading question to get you to try and trash WWE or anything like that. Just 
what was your experience like? Right. Um, it'd be hard to get me to trash them anyway, because I had such a great experience the whole time there. I never really experienced any negative stuff. You know, you hear all these like horror stories and stuff all the time. Um, coming out of WB in general, the PC in general. And I think it's just like everyone just has their own experience, of course. But for me, everything was just super positive. Like the environment itself was super positive and very efficient for learning and, and improving and stuff. So I got to improve a lot, um, which is which is probably why I, I won that honor rumble. Um, but yeah, I got to improve a lot on just my everything like across the board like I, I definitely felt after like it was like going to the harvard of wrestling for 10 months you know sure absolutely it was crazy let me ask you about your name uh who we all we all know when you get to wwe for most people they have to come up with a, a different name mm -hmm. was Ari Sterling, was that um, your idea? Was it someone else's idea? Was it a um, collaboration? How did we arrive at that? It's pretty collaborative, really. Um, the experience for me, I don't know if this is for everyone, um, because it might be based on the ideas they have for the individual, but for me, it was like, hey, we need, you, we need a new name. We're going to debut you this coming week on 205, whatever. So we need to go ahead and start coming up with names. So it was like three days out from uh, from my debut match, which wouldn't air until later, but I mean, still you have to have your name uh, when you're in the ring. So I sent them a list of maybe 10, 15 names. They were like, okay, we need more names. So I sent them another list of maybe like 20. Then it was just like, rinse and repeat that process over and over. I feel like I sent them maybe like a hundred names or I don't know more maybe. Um, and by the end of that, we had somewhere in the middle of all that, it was like, Oh, we kind of, we're, we're leaning toward the name Ari. We like that, you know, and then we're looking, we're looking at a, a better last name, I guess, than what I had provided. And they, Eventually, like I extended, so I sent them a list then of only different Ari names. So Ari this, Ari that, right? And I sent them a new list and they were leaning toward two of them. I don't even remember the other one, but the Ari Sterling was on on there as well. And um, which was only on my list, literally because I'm an Entourage fan and Ari Gold is a cool character. And I was like, okay, Ari Gold, Ari Silver, Sterling Silver, Ari Sterling. And that was kind of the thought process of how it got on the list in the first place. Um, now I get it. You know, I, I guess I should have seen that. Now it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Sterling. <laughs> I watched some, I saw some guy, I think it was on Facebook or Twitter or something, um, just a fan of wrestling, I guess, in general. And he, he said, this name literally just is Ari Gold. Ari Silver, Ari Sterling. And I was like, wow, this guy literally just figured it out in like two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how we landed on it. And they sent me the two names, the Ari Sterling name and whatever the other name was that I'm forgetting. Uh, they sent them to me that day that I, I was already at TV ready to record. And they were like, hey, these are the two names that we've like landed on. If they both were to pass like whatever, um, red tape they got to go through which one would you prefer i told them ari sterling they said great 
and a couple hours later, which just happened to be maybe two hours before I got in the ring for my debut match, um, they said, Ari Sterling cleared, like it's a go, whatever. I was like, okay. So like I had the name all of two hours before I debuted that night on 205. So when I walked out for my entrance and stuff, like I'm looking around at the screens and stuff, just taking it in because that was my first time seeing any of it. Um, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. And then in the, in the opening bit of the match, we're circling around, I think about to tie up or something. And uh, the audience starts an Ari chant. And I it didn't even register that they were chanting at me. I'd like, 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 what's yeah, that? I was like, Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy. Well, along those lines, I mean, it, it's always kind of weird in wrestling, right? With um, what people call you backstage, like mm-hmm. do they, like people who who will know your real name. It's like, do they call you by that, or do they, you know, by by your real first name, or do they call you Ari, or you know, like if you change your 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 uh, work name, do they call you that? Like, I'll give you an example. EC3. Mm-hmm. First time I met him was back in when I was at WWE, and he was Derek Bateman. And right. for short, I would just call him DB every time I would see him. Hey, DB, what's up? Well, then he goes to Impact and becomes mm-hmm. Ethan Carter the third. And I'm like, he and I kind of stayed in touch after WWE. He was in my fantasy football league, you know, stuff. Like nice. That. And yes. I'm still calling him like DB, but he, you know, DB's dead and buried. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, then he does the That's EC- the new DB. Right. It's a new D- right. Then he does EC3. So when I had him on the podcast, this this podcast. Uh, after he signed with ROH, I finally said, I was like, I don't know what to call you anymore. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, just call me Michael. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> like after Easy all, enough. Yeah. After all the years of DB, it's like, okay. Right. So I mean, what, what do you, here's the thing. I, and you tell me your feelings on this. I've all, I've heard a thing uh, like one of those etiquette things in wrestling that you shouldn't call someone by their shoot name unless you're really, close to them. like close to them yeah 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 is that, is that, so, a, is that a real thing I, I mean it seems to kind of be a thing depending like i feel like there's a lot of old sort of mentalities and stuff like that that are slowly kind of weeding themselves out just due to just a cultural change like people come up differently in wrestling now it's not the same old school way so they don't even learn those different etiquettes and stuff um i, I know i certainly didn't come up in a very traditional way and so a lot of those just kind of get lost in translation. But I do, I can see that for me, oftentimes I don't call people by their shoot name unless of course, when I shook their hand at the beginning of the night, they introduced themselves at their shoot name. Cause right. to me, like you've told me it, like, you know, obviously you want to be called that. Otherwise you wouldn't have gone that route. Um, for me, I like, I've always, again, like, Maybe it's overly positive or something, but I don't care what you call me as long as you're calling me, you know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but at, at WB, it was like a lot of people kind of got in the habit of just calling me sauce. Like that was a thing. Yep. And then Zane was a thing, but that's, that was mostly the guys who kind of knew me or knew of me coming in. They were always calling me Zane, which is my shoot name anyway. Alex Zane is my shoot name. So, that made it easier, I guess. Um, just one less name people had to remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then some people started calling me Ari. And actually, when they called me to release me, they called me Ari on the phone, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, 
that that seemed more like disrespectful to me to call me and fire me by my work name than right. even and even being like hey alex like <laughs> kind of let you go brother uh, yeah. but i wasn't too uh too rubbed by it. like i wasn't too chapped yeah. by it you know yeah you could, could have been a smart ass and said well ari's released but what about alex Am I yeah smart? yeah can i can i show up to work um but yeah instead i just said thanks thanks for everything you know um right yeah because I, I don't even think i had met john laurinitis which is who called me oh okay yeah yeah this Hey, hey, uh, Ari. Uh, John, hey, Ari. Got some yeah. bad news for you, bud. I got some bad news, kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that, my, my John Laurinaitis impression kind of sounds like Stone Cold Steve Austin, sort of, but I, I don't know. I feel like with the right energy, Laurinaitis would st- sound like Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple Steve Weisers, you know. He'd yeah. Uh, another thing on the name thing, like I remember, this is another example. When I was at WWE, um, Christian was there, right? And uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his girl name is Jay. And right. I noticed uh, the writers who had been there for a while, had been there for years, um, always, you know, referred to him as Jay. When we were, you know, pitching ideas or scripting, it was always Jay. Right. Christian, right? So at one point I called him Jay and they were like, oh, no, no, you don't know. He's, you don't know. You're not there, yet. <laughs> You're not there yet. You're like, to you, he's Christian. So that was like, oh, yeah. okay. So that is a thing. So. Yeah. And I mean, like he, he's definitely from like a, a bit of a older school, if you will. Um, so it makes sense. It makes sense. But I just feel like people these days don't care about the same things. The locker rooms less, I don't know. It's more, it's like a weird sort of shift from like different, different types of respect, I guess. Yeah. Or in the locker room these days. Yeah, some of those some of those old school things are a little, you know, if you think about it, are a little silly. It's not just in wrestling. I mean, it's like in baseball, right? The unwritten yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to throw at somebody if they threw at your guy, or you know what I mean. I, I would go on a tangent about it if I if I started them. But there's this whole uh, I can't remember what it's even called now. So everything's slipping my brain. So now this is just word salad. But there was like this thing where the floor is like electrocuted, and there's a ladder and some bananas, and there's monkeys being put in this room. And they're being shocked anytime one of them goes and gets the bananas. The, all the monkeys on the floor are getting shocked. So eventually what happens is the monkey that gets shocked or doesn't get shocked, right? It, it went to get the banana. So it's not getting shocked, right? So all the other monkeys start to team up on any monkey that's climbing the ladder for the banana, right? They're like, no, you're not doing that. They're, and they would beat them up and because they're like, you're going to get a shock or whatever. And eventually all the monkeys are being weeded out of this like project until monkeys that climb the ladder are never reaching the banana. And the monkeys that are still in this cage are never being shocked, but they're still taking the actions of beating up the, of the beating up the monkey that was climbing for the bananas, having no idea why they're doing it. So I think that's a very similar thing to what kind of happens in any industry and any any uh, facet of life is like these weird sort of antiquated ideas get handed down, even though the experiences are long gone. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, since we're still talking, we're talking names here. Um, the sauce. Is that something? Uh, wh- what's the origin of that? Oh, man. So long story short, I was I was on a hiatus in the whole wrestling scene, but I was still keeping up with myself fitness wise. And I used to, 
like work all day and stuff and just do whatever through the day. So I wouldn't get to the gym till late at night, maybe like, I don't know, 1 a.m. or something and start my workout. So by the time I got out of the gym, the only thing really open was Taco Bell. And I would get Taco Bell like so many nights out of the week because it was like, that's what I could grab on my way home that was quick and I didn't have to cook and whatever. Um, so I would get this Taco Bell and I started hashtagging all my gym selfies and stuff, body by Taco Bell, body by Taco Bell, body by Taco Bell. And then I got back into wrestling. I'm doing the wrestling thing again. And then I'm still doing the fitness thing and I'm still using the body by hash, uh, body by Taco Bell hashtag on my fitness stuff. But then I noticed wrestling fans are like responding to it. So then I started, I was like, I'm just going to do like a shirt of it. And I started playing with it into the wrestling thing. And I was like, well, what's kind of like a moniker that can tie this, tie this all in. And it just so happened that the sauce is like kind of a like idiom now, you know? So I, I adopted that. Yeah. And that's, that's how it came about. That works. Well, let me ask you this, you know, now that you're in ring of honor with, uh, Tracy Williams, hot sauce, Tracy Williams. Is there any heat there? Is there gimmick infringement? Uh, heat. That is a, that is a perfect word. <laughs> There's always heat with hot sauce. Um, no, we haven't, we haven't run into any problems. I don't even know. Like maybe he doesn't even realize I use the whole sauce thing. Um, but uh, of course I know of, of his whole, his whole thing. So um, I hope there's no heat there. Hope there, I hope he's cool with it. Would, would gladly, uh, jump in the ring and sauce someone up with him sometime. So yeah, it could be one of those old school angles where it's like, you have a match for the right to use. The right. Sport. Right. Something like that. Yeah. 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 If this was Vince Russo booking, we could do like hot sauce on a pole. Hot right? sauce on a pole. Yes. Pack, pack I would do sauce. that. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you could be mild sauce. I don't know. Oh yes. I'll be mild sauce. That's okay. <laughs> Still got the flavor. That That's true. That's not everybody can handle hot sauce. So that's true. That's true. He tags me in for the, for his light work. But <laughs> <laughs> when you make, but hot sauce has to make the hot tag. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, it's perfect. We should tag. Oh, perfect. We could do this all day. We could do this all yes. day. Uh, let me ask you though, about being a free agent though, because uh, and, you know, we sort of alluded to it earlier. It's like, um, it's kind of exciting because you're, you know, you're booking yourself now and you can work, mm -hmm. A guy like you who has a name and is talented, you can kind of work, I think, you know, as much as you want. Um, seems to be, yeah. Seems even to be, right? Some, even some I don't necessarily want. <laughs> like, I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I guess so. <laughs> Let's do it. But there's, I guess there's like two schools of thought. So that's what I'm going to ask you. Again, when I had uh, Taylor on last week, he's like, yeah, you know, I, at the end of the day, like, I want another contract. Like, you know, I got bills to pay. I like to have that, you know, that security. Uh, when we had Chelsea Green on, she was like the exact opposite. She's like, I want to work for everybody. And, right. and maybe I'll settle down one day. But like right now, I just want to, it's exciting. And I'm going to be everywhere. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on it? So I'm more in the Chelsea Green boat, I think, on this one um, for a few reasons. One, um, kind of washing the Ari Sterling off of me, just uh, – reinvesting in the Alexane brand with my time, energy, sweat, tears, you know? Um, so that's kind of like my move moving forward is just, yeah, I'm, I'm not against the idea of signing anywhere. Um, 
I'm not against it, but at the same time, it just has to make sense. Even when I went with WWE, when they called, I wasn't clamoring for a contract at that time. And a lot of friends of mine and stuff and people even in the wrestling industry before I signed were like, oh, you know, if this place and that place, all these places like offered you a contract, where would you go? And I told them like, I wouldn't know until I felt it, yeah. you know? So I was always going to go with the gut, um, went with the gut at the time. And, you know, a lot of people, depending on the perspective might think that it didn't work out, but it worked out incredibly for me. And um, so that would always be the case. Like I would always go for the gut. I don't really, I don't really go at life um, too logically. I, I kind of feel my way through it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I would, I would kind of prefer to just, uh, roll on myself, you know, until it makes sense and until it feels right, you know, because at the end of the day, I just have to do what's right for me and, and my family, you know, so. Well, there's kind of a unique climate right now in pro wrestling anyway, mm -hmm. with even, you know, we hear all the time about the forbidden door. Right. Unless you're with WWE, which, you know, they really, they, they keep that door closed. At least they have pretty much up until this point. Who knows what's going to happen in the future. Right. But even if you're under contract to another company that's not WWE, as we've seen, you can still pop up in different places. We're seeing cooperation with mm -hmm. uh, interpromotional matches. So you could get that contract and still have the best of both worlds. Yeah, and, that's, and that I think, too, is like how you... I don't know, structure your deal with whoever you sign with and stuff like it's right. It's, yeah. And for me, some of that would definitely have to be in the, in the mix, you know, because I do have, like when I signed with WWE, one of the main things that I was like, man, like is, is are all these things I wouldn't get to do. So going forward, cause I'm in a, I'm in a pretty good position, you know, um, now even just independently and being, uh, being a free agent. So if I'm in this great position already, then it's, it's hard for me to agree to sign a deal that's going to restrict me unless it puts me in some greater position, whether that be, I don't know, financially or whatever it is. And I'm not even, I don't even concern myself too greatly with the financial aspect of it because like, I'm not, I'm not doing poorly like in the pandemic WWE calls and it's, you know, bills are bills are due right so it made sense at the time but um at this time the world of wrestling is booming and there's there's plenty of work out here and it's cool too with all the all the forbidden door you know the cracks and all the forbidden doors really and and seeing all the cool stuff happen so um hopefully that means good things for just wrestling in general because you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So I'm, I'm hoping to see that it opens up a lot of things, a lot of opportunities for the boys and, and, and just, I don't know. Like it, it feels like so many antiquated things again, like we were talking about are, are lingering through the wrestling business that I'm just hoping it kind of like shakes things up and changes. It seems to be, seems to be happening already. So. Yeah. In a way it's kind of gone you know, I guess, what, what do they say? Everything that's um, old is new again. Mm -hmm. uh, back when I was, you know, I grew up watching wrestling in the 70s, early 80s, before the WWF expansion and then the NWA expansion to where, you know, it was like 
there were basically two companies fighting each other and everybody you had to be in one or the other and you know there was no crossover right. I remember the days when Harley Race would defend the NWA world's title at Madison Square Garden right um, how cool is that yeah exactly Bob Backlund would go down to Florida on an Eddie Graham show and defend the WWF championship and right. we saw that all the time uh, Vince McMahon senior basically booked Andre the Giant but as you know as you know like loaned him out all over the place yeah the Andre in whatever territory and that was really cool back then that you could do that and then all of a sudden it became exclusive contracts and you know if you're here you're not there and I think it's kind of cool it's sort of come back to yeah now you can see people in different in different promotions so and and that's kind of how things go like history repeats itself right and 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 now like it seemed to be back then it was I mean, not overly so, but it, it played a little more in the favor of the boys. And then when WWE kind of had this monopoly on the world, they could say, here, we need an exclusive contract and like, we can offer you whatever we're going to offer you because you don't have anything else to do, you know? Like, right. um, so yeah, it's, it's swinging, swinging back a little bit um, as things tend to do. All right, well, we're off to a great start here. Uh, It's a great conversation we're having with Alex Zane. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more of that conversation right after this. It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body-slamming, drop-kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. The Puttabucko! Jay Driller! She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong podcast with the sauce, Alex Zane. Um, hey, hey, I'm not going to call him mild sauce because we already have hot. I'm just going to call him the sauce. That's, that's all I am. I'm just the flavor. I'm just the flavor. That's right. You that's know, right. I went from being the flavor of the week to the flavor of the month, to the flavor <laughs> of a lifetime. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to put another adjective in front of it. It's just that's sauce. right. Just the sauce. So let's talk about uh, this coming weekend's episode of Ring of Honor television. We're not going to give away any spoilers, but okay. you have a match uh, with yourself and Taylor Rust mm-hmm. against them boys, Jay and Mark Briscoe. Man, uh, yeah. Ask you, again, no spoilers, but what was it like to be in the ring with the Briscoes? It was another um, happy little accident. Shout out to Bob Ross, right? Um, <laughs> which that documentary is crazy. But the the... Unfortunately, um, Jake Atlas is is on, like he 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 I guess bowed out of the professional wrestling world yep. after uh, um, Death Before Dishonor, and actually seemingly during Death Before Dishonor, and he when he, so when he told them that he was out or whatever, they were looking for a replacement. So it was originally supposed to be him and Taylor Russ versus them boys the briscoe rose <laughs> and so then they called on me to to jump in the match and i like of course was like wow you know that's like it's not every day you just get thrown in a match with the briscoe brothers right like i was very excited very excited um and then just being in the ring with them it's just 
anytime you're in the ring with anyone with that level of experience, you just, I think you come out different. You come out of every match like that differently. Um, and hopefully better, <laughs> you know, so hopefully that that's exactly what happened. Well, you were certainly in the right place at the right time. And mm -hmm. uh, I've heard so many stories like that where there will be sort of a career, not that this was a career defining moment, but you got in, you got in a cool spot that you didn't expect. Right. To. Right. And I've heard from guys and girls so many times that, you know, I'll ask them about something that mem memorable that happened and they'll be like, yeah, that wasn't even supposed to happen. That was just a fluke. That's yeah. literally like, I don't know, 90% of my career so far <laughs> has literally just been, I'm just bumbling around in the universe <laughs> and it just like, here you go, here's this. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I mean, just like the Kushida match now, the, the Briscoes match and yeah, it's crazy cool. Well, you know, the old cliche about it's better to be lucky than good, but the best mm -hmm. thing, right, is to be lucky and good, right? Right, that's right. That's right. That, that's what you've done, because let's go back to the Honor Rumble at Death Before Dishonor. You were a surprise mm -hmm. entrant. Nobody knew you were there. Mm -hmm. And it was very dramatic because you came out as the last entrant. How, right. lucky, how lucky was that, that the stars aligned and you happened to be the 16th and final entrant when these numbers were determined at random? I mean, you would almost think it was scripted that way. You would almost think that someone took the time to write it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was super lucky. And when, and when I got the information that I was 16th in there, like, and, and things were just going the way they were going to go like that, of course, like it was just another time where I went, just, you just kind of sit back for a second and say, wow, like I, in a way you can't even plan this. In That's a, right. In yeah. a way. Yeah. In, in a way. way. In, a, in another way, you can plan it step by step. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you came out, uh, and this had to make you feel good, you got a great reaction from the crowd. I mean, what was that like when you came out and, like, they knew you right away and you heard that roar from the crowd? Fortunately, we was in Philly, and I spent a lot of time in, like, even though I hadn't spent a lot of time in Philly, and that was my ECW Arena debut, um, I'd spent a lot of time in kind of that northeast region so that was that was good that probably i had worked the territory quite often <laughs> um but as i was backstage it was like probably just because i'm so i don't know just like aloof sometimes to myself that that it didn't even hit me until like i'm gearing up for the match and i'm like oh what if no one like what if no one cares? <laughs> I come out and they're like, oh, <laughs> Alex, great. Who's this guy? Whatever. So yeah, it hit me late and I was like, oh no. And then I immediately just was like, yeah, that's not a thought worth having. You know, so <laughs> I just stopped thinking that and just was like, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. So yeah, it was very, it was very nice. And I think uh, for a moment there, you can probably see me take it in during the entrance where I'm just like, oh, that's, that's, it puts me at ease to know that uh, that they at least came up for it, even if whether they knew who I was or not. <laughs> I was very thankful for it, yeah. Well, um, how did it feel just to be back in uh, Ring of Honor locker room? Uh, it it felt two years. so good because it kind of got, I mean, not kind of, it got cut short my first run with them anyway. You know, I came off uh, like a tear. Um, 
against Bandito and then against Andrew Everett in my second match, I hurt myself in my second match. So that kind of put me on a little, you know, injury list for a second. Um, and I spent three weeks, I think, out of the ring in general. I think they wanted me to do like six weeks, but I rehabbed pretty hard and I, I felt good to go. And um, then we were in Vegas for the show that they were doing in Vegas. And that's the day that the pandemic was announced. So it kind of, you know, it got, it got snubbed. It got like the carpet ripped out from under me. I was on such a, such a good run there for a second and then slipped, you know, not, not really. It was just like, I don't know, the door got closed in everyone's face for a minute with the pandemic. So um, felt really good to just pick up, like it's so cool of them to just let us pick up where we left off in a way and, and just do a cool thing. And it felt, it felt cool, like and exciting. And I don't usually get to do such cool things. I feel like so. Well, the, the match that you uh, were referring to was uh, supposed to take place at the 18th anniversary show, which in Vegas, which as you said, as we all know, uh, didn't happen because of the pandemic. It was supposed to be you and Ray Horace, mm -hmm. right? He was your partner. Yes, against PCO right. and Brody King. Yeah, um, which would have been really cool because I that would have been awesome. The two the two bruisers against the two high flyers that would have been amazing. Right, right. It would have been a really good time. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get back to something like that in the in the future. But now I've asked uh, a bunch of people uh, about their experience that weekend. You know, some people actually went to Vegas, um, stayed and did some dark matches. Uh, some people didn't, you know, were told before they got on the plane, don't come. What was your experience like? Did you actually make it to Vegas? I was actually in Vegas. Um, and then I was actually at the venue. And that's when they let me know, hey, we're not doing the original show. We're not letting fans in, yada, yada. We're going to do some dark matches for content and stuff like that. If you'd like to wrestle, let us know. And then I was originally like, hey, I'm fine to wrestle if you want me to do that. And they're like, hey, you're still coming off the foot injury. Why don't you just go ahead and, you know, get, take, take the time off when it's been handed to you. Um, and so me and uh, Cheeseburger went out and got Korean barbecue. And it was I thought awesome. you were going to say Taco Bell. Um, I did get Taco Bell later, actually later that <laughs> night, but we went and we went and he said, he was like, Hey, we're going to grab Korean barbecue if you want to go. And I love Korean barbecue too. Um, body by Korean barbecue just doesn't have the same ring to it. No. And so <laughs> I, yeah, went and we just ate a lot and it was great. <laughs> um, all right. So was this another example almost, I guess, of perfect timing with um, making the most of a bad situation because you've got an injury that you could have worked on, but maybe it was better not to. And mm -hmm. here comes the pandemic where it gave you the opportunity to, you know, again, not under the best of circumstances, but now it's like, you got to be out of the ring for a few months anyway. So did you kind right, of, yeah, definitely, like definitely gave me time to heal. Um, yeah. And I started feeling like really good, just physically overall. It's kind of weird. The, the body, the wrestling body, kind of goes through this weird ebb and flow of like when you get out of the ring for too long everything starts to set in and you feel terrible yeah but then if you hold out for just a little while longer you start to heal which is a 
foreign concept to a lot of us <laughs> and, and you feel great. So yeah, that pandemic really uh, helped me. I think he'll heal a lot of things and I was doing a lot of stretching and stuff during the whole thing and just uh, fitness stuff too. Um, but then ring conditioning wise, it definitely, definitely uh, was tough on me because once I did get back in a ring, um, I was like, wow, I feel not really the pain of it, just like, I don't know, out of shape in a way, even though I'd been keeping in shape, it was kind of crazy. Just ring conditioning is totally different than any other fitness that you do. It's weird. Right. I've always heard that, right? There's a difference between being in shape and being in ring shape. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So how long was it that you were away from the ring? It was, it was just a few months, right? And then you started getting dates again. Was it like maybe three months or so? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't too long. And then we started getting dates, but then they were scattered, which, you know, is great, but they're still, you know, they're not, not consistent enough to really get you back in the swing of things. Um, it's almost like getting back in the swing of things every single time, starting from zero every single time. Um, but yeah, and then it started to slowly like pick up, you know, it was like they were testing the water, waters, GCW and whatnot, uh, Black Label Pro, different indie companies were testing the waters and slowly started doing more and more dates. And then shortly after that, WWE had called, you know. Well, like you said, when you don't do it regularly, I guess your body can't get, uh, what do they say, calloused or built mm -hmm. up that that you're feeling the bumps a lot more when you're sort of off than on than off than on rather than going on a regular schedule. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely helps just to stay active. Um, even now, like I remember coming out of like these couple, these first couple weekends after 30 days off and I was kind of worried about it, but I feel pretty good just because I was, it wasn't like I hit one match and then when laid around, for a few days it was like match after match after match so i've already done <clears throat> what i don't know eight matches or something in the last two weeks maybe more well, let's talk about your first uh go around with ring of honor some more uh this was like i said in 2020 uh you faced bandito in your debut ring of honor debut at honor reign supreme which was in north carolina Mm -hmm. uh, how did that first opportunity come about? Were, were you reaching out to Ring of Honor, trying to get into, uh, to get on some shows, or did, did Ring of Honor reach out to you? Ring of Honor actually reached out to me, and I can't even remember, actually, I would have to go back and look um, at kind of how the conversation started. But I knew, like, they were just going to, like, bring me in, and I felt like, you know, like, any time something like that happens, it's, it's sort of a test drive situation. They're, they're seeing if they, if I'm a fit for them, I'm seeing if they're a fit for me, that sort of thing. And then I came in and it was a match against Bandito. And I was like, Oh, well, wow. Quite like, yeah, you're test driving me, but you're putting me in quite the luxury vehicle here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was really cool. Um, and just that they reached out to me, I always took things like that, them reaching out to me and stuff like that. Cause it's of course not like I wouldn't reach out to ring of honor, sure. right? Like that's ring of honor. Um, and they just kind of beat me to the punch and it, it just kind of reaffirmed, Hey, like you're doing something right. Keep on the path, keep going, you know, keep pushing. Um, and just always took little things like that as signs that like, Hey, 
like you're on the right path here. So, um, so shout out to them for, for reaching out in the first place. Cause it definitely just helped the mentality, but oddly enough, the night before that match, um, I had, I was already, I was like no longer sick or anything, but I was still like coming off of like the low energy of having been sick like a week prior to that. And it was like a low energy and still kind of like, like a mild cough to it and stuff. And then, um, then that night before I wrestled Chris Dickinson at, uh, GCW and I ripped my toenail like completely off in the match. Like it was disgusting. That sounds very like, painful. It was very painful. And it's like the worst kind of painful too. Cause there's like, there's no, there's nothing you can do to like it's your toe. You, you can't not use it. You can't work around it really. <laughs> like you're going to be using it. And I was like, I have to wrestle Bandito tomorrow. Like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So quite the, quite the injury to have to push through yeah. just cause it's, it's not even like super painful. Like, you know, like a broken bone or an actual injury, but it's just like, you're going to feel it every single thing you do. <laughs> so yeah, I no did about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Fun little tidbit. My toe was obliterated in the match against Bandito. So you're like, you probably said to Bandito, whatever you do, <clears throat> just don't step on my toe. Just does. Actually, I felt like the best thing to do was just not mention it and, and try to ignore it myself. Yeah. I felt like if we called attention to it, it'd be kind of like, you know how you hurt a finger or something. You're like, I never realized I used my left pinky as much as I did right. <laughs> until I've heard it. <laughs> right. So I was just like, yeah, we're just going to ignore this. completely. Which he already knew too, because I posted a video of my crazy looking toenail on Twitter the night before. Oh. And it was like ripped up. So it looked like the hood of a car or something had been just like popped up. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was gnarly. So I think why the uh, the match with Bandito was so intriguing, obviously, is because you both kind of have this uh, similar daredevil, high-flying, high-spot style. So it was like, man, this is on paper, this looks like a great match. And it turned out to be mm -hmm. a great match. But I think, you. you know, savvy wrestling fans will be like, and I will pull the curtain back here a little bit, that savvy wrestling fans will say, okay, a contracted guy like Bandito against a guy <clears> coming <throat> in like Alex, say, okay, this is going to be a great, you know, high-flying match, et cetera, et cetera. But I know Bandito's going to win, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but Bandito didn't win. And I think not only did that surprise a lot of fans, I can say I, I'm pretty sure it surprised quite a few people in Ring of Honor as well, including myself. It surprised as me was, a little bit, even. As I was watching uh, it happen, I was like, wait, did that just happen? Right. Uh, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but just right. what was your reaction to know that, all right, not only am I, you know, I'm facing Bandito and it's Ring of Honor, it's an opportunity, but oh, by the way, you end up winning the match. Um, my first thought was, man, I hope this uh, finish doesn't look like trash. <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, I botched the go home. Um, but yeah, it was super, uh, man, it was like, one, the opportunity to even come in and wrestle Bandito already is like, like I said earlier, putting me in quite the luxury vehicle here. And then, winning the debut match against bandito was like not only is it opportunity it's also like this 
it's just a cool thing that gets to happen. And it, of course, is so unexpected because Bandito is a contracted guy and um, a former champion there. At the time, he had been, I believe, TV champion, right? No. At, at the time? No, he was a six-man uh, tag. He was a six-man tag, tag yeah. champion, right. So he had, he had held gold already here at ROH, and I was coming in, I mean, just sort of, like I said earlier, the flavor of the month or whatever it was. And, and um, just the way it played out is just so – it's such – I mean, that's like a highlight of my career already, you know, and, and, and definitely – a thing that I won't forget. I won't forget uh, the experience, of course, but I won't get, I won't ever forget them just like putting that trust in me. So uh, super cool, super cool experience. And just looking back now, you know, who knows, you know, what connections and stuff were being made in my own personal wrestling timeline based on that match, because I mean, I didn't expect it even like, even though I knew it was happening, you don't think about like the aftermath of it until it happens. And then after it happened, like I look around and there's all these articles and videos and reviews and just everything popping up. And it was, it like was a big topic that, that week in, in wrestling, in the wrestling world. So super cool. Well, what I like about it too, is um, it goes to like the NFL. If, if we compare this to like legitimate quote unquote mm-hmm. sports, it's like, any given Sunday is the cliche, right? Anything can happen. Right. And, right. and I think pro wrestling, uh, it just adds to the unpredictability factor and the real sports type aspect of it, of like, you know what? On any given match, this guy could beat this guy if the circumstances were right. So I think that was a great example of that. Of It was a result you didn't expect to see. And, yeah, which makes wrestling exciting, right? Yeah. Like, and I mean, obviously it did great things. I mean, I know for me and it was great publicity all around for the match. So hopefully, um, and I'm sure like Bandito is, I don't know, just a super positive guy too. And like, um, hopefully they, they saw it the way I did, you know, afterwards was just like, wow, this was, this was a cool thing. We did a cool thing. Well, now it ends up leading to another opportunity. Uh, Here we are in 2021. Since that match has happened, there's been so much. There's been a pandemic. Uh, you got signed by WWE. You're back out on the market as a free agent. And now that you're back in Ring of Honor, we can now go back to and revisit what happened in your debut match, beating Bandito. Now Bandito's the Ring of Honor world champion. So it all just set up so perfectly for you to come in as a surprise. I think your uh, 30-day non-compete ended like a week before Death Before Dishonor right mm-hmm. about that time so uh, you know the the time the, the dates at the dates the, the timeline is just right um you come in win the honor rumble and now you're facing bandito the guy you beat back in your debut before he was champion now he's the champion this all sets up perfectly so that match against bandito is going to take place on television it, it's going to take place on a future episode of ring of honor tv bandito versus alex Zane for the championship how exciting is that for you? I mean, I'm just looking at what you've done in Ring of Honor in the short time. You're undefeated. Mm. I mean, you beat Bandito. Right. Huge surprise debut. You beat Andrew Everett. You show up in the Honor Rumble and you win that. I mean, you have win never the whole lost. thing. Win That's the whole right. thing. 
And now you've got a world title match against Bandito. Uh, what are your thoughts on getting back in the ring with Bandito and this time, you know, the title being at stake? So Bandito has grown a lot and come a long way uh, in the last year as well, you know, and, and uh, it's no small feat already, much less a year removed from our um, last match, a little even more, even longer than that, right? And so coming in, knowing that I've also grown and stuff like that, um, I'm really looking forward to just testing the mites of, so to speak, of of both of our improvements and and seeing that he now holds Ring of Honor Gold, the Ring of Honor Gold World Championship, man, like doesn't get doesn't get much uh, much more like a big fight feel, absolutely. You know? So it's it's incredible, um, and I, I'm looking forward to being back in the ring with Bandito. I felt like I grew again. It was another match when me and him worked the first time. It was another match where I just felt like I came out of that match better than when I went in that match. And I'm hoping to push that envelope this time as well and for us to both come out regardless of who has their hand raised at the end to come out better than we went in. Well, it's going to be must-see TV, that's for sure. It's very cool that it's going to happen uh, on free television. It's going to happen on Ring of Honor TV. This is a pay-per-view main event for the world championship you know this could be a, a main event on any show as they say and uh and it's gonna be on ring of honor television for free so you can't beat that incredible all right well we're gonna take our second break back with more with alex Zane right after this want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors want to see exclusive brand new matches want to learn about breaking news before anyone else Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong podcast talking to Alex Zane. Alex, hey. Hey. I want to get into your origin story a little bit. That's what something we like to do here. Um, cool. You've probably told stories like this before on other podcasts or interviews, but we can't assume that everyone's heard those things. So just want to ask you, like, when did when did you become a fan? About what age? And what, what got you hooked on, on wrestling? Wrestling, Vicky, just, man. Um, so I think my earliest memory and it's mostly from hearing the story it's like one of those things where it's like do I really remember this or is it just like I've heard the story my whole life um I was about three years old I am at my grandmother's house me and my mom my brothers whatever we're at my grandmother's house my mother and my grandmother are now gonna leave to run whatever errand that they're gonna go do and they're gonna leave me with my grandfather no big deal Right. And they leave me with my grandfather who is watching wrestling. And I am throwing a fit as any three-year-old would throw when their mom has left for more than 30 seconds. And my grandfather is just like, Hey, look at the TV. Look at that snake. Look at that snake on the TV. And it was Jake, the snake Roberts um, has a snake out there. And of course, as a child, I'm just like looking at the TV in awe at yeah. this 
giant nine foot boa constrictor. <laughs> and I was like, that, that was it. I don't think I ever looked away. Like, um, and then later my older brother was into WCW and I was, it was, I was at that weird age. I don't even know how old I must've been at the time. Um, maybe 10 ish or something. And I'm at that weird age where I'm still just watching wrestling, but I'm still at the same time, just jumping around in the living room as I'm watching wrestling. I'm not really very attentive and I'm becoming more attentive to it. He's super into WCW. So that's just kind of like what I'm watching at the time. Um, and then sometime around that same time, I started dabbling back into WWF uh, during the Monday night wars. And I remember the night that I like switched over was when WW or WCW spoiled the uh, mankind title win. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I got to see that. So I switched over and then became predominantly a WWF fan at that point. So yeah, I was like kind of a lifer uh, wrestling fan okay. and just, uh, yeah. So yeah, watching well, that- it forever. You mentioned you switched over. Apparently, lots of people switched over. Right. I, and, you know, I didn't really ever think about that until I watched her. Uh, what was the, it was like the docu-series, the Monday Night Wars docu-series on the network. And it was like, wow, I was one of one of those six million people or whatever it was. It turned out to be one of the biggest blunders, uh, mm. I guess, that anyone could make. And it was... A real turning know, point. Yeah. yeah, a real turning point. You know, I feel bad because... Tony Schiavone got a lot of the heat for that. But of course, I think it came out later. And I guess, you know, people who were kind of savvy realized that, that he was just doing what he was told. Eric right. Bischoff, yeah. It's not yeah, his call. Right. Eric Bischoff made the call. Tony was the one who had to deliver, you know, the line. Yeah. And, right. Yeah, that's going to put asses in seats or whatever he said. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Uh, right. And, uh, and just those turning points in wrestling are so cool. So at what age did you get into backyard wrestling because i know that that's really where you got your start in in wrestling and you you did Mm -hmm. the backyard scene for a long time right how were you when that started i consider my start uh to be i think i was probably 11 ish pushing 12 and i only consider that and and at the time i considered that as a child because that was the first time that i like took a bump that wasn't on a trampoline and I started bumping in the yard and I was like, yeah, now I'm like a real backyard wrestler. <laughs> wow, you've, got, you've got Roxy, the new women's champion beat because, you know, we hear all the time she started training for wrestling at 13. You're bumping her in the backyard at 11 or 12. So. Yeah. 11 or 12. Yeah. And shout out to Roxy, the new uh, ROH women's champion. Incredible. Yeah. yeah awesome. Awesome to see it. Um, and yeah, so I started bumping around then and, it was just, it was one of those situations where it was just like me and one of my, well, my best friend, um, we're just super into wrestling. So we started doing backyard stuff and we started on a trampoline and we didn't even have a trampoline. It was like a neighbor's trampoline. Um, and we started on the trampoline and then eventually went to the ground. And once we went to the ground, we were like, yeah. And we were inspired by, by the backyard wrestling uh, DVDs, I think is what caused us to like take it to the ground. Hmm. we saw all these other kids like doing crazy stuff and we're like, yeah, let's do crazy stuff. <laughs> so we started doing crazy stuff. And, um, 
yeah and it was just me and him we would start doing these shows where we would have like four gimmicks a piece just so we could have like more of a roster so we'd put masks on or whatever different attire and just it was just the two of us but we had four matches or something every day do you remember that backyard wrestling video that they used to advertise on tv that Tylene Buck, who was Major Guns in WCW, was, was part of that uh, commercial. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I have to see that. Yeah, it was like some backyard wrestling stuff. And then she w- she had already been in uh, – she was in WCW, but she had done this backyard stuff, obviously, before she got to WCW. But in the, in the commercials, it was like, you know, this backyard wrestling action. But then it was like, and, you know, you see Major, you know, Tylene Buck. And it was very, like, provocative. And I was like – damn, I don't know if I want to see this backyard wrestling stuff, but I, I think I do want to see Tylene Buck. Right, maybe maybe I do remember. Okay, so she was the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was like the main, I don't know, she was like the cut scene in between all of the backyard wrestling. So I watched those DVDs a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up watching. Yeah, I didn't remember the uh, ad for it, though. I don't even think I ever saw an ad for it. I think I just picked the DVDs up at Best Buy or something. So with backyard wrestling, it's, I know it's kind of like its own subculture and there's levels of it. There's like really, really bad, horrible backyard wrestling. Which, which I love <laughs> which for all the wrong have, reasons. Yeah, which <laughs> right. I'm sure people have seen the YouTube video, videos of. And then mm-hmm. you have like a higher level of it. And, you know, people like the Hardys, you know, came from backyard wrestling. And Tony Deppen, who I know you've, you've wrestled in. Right. In the backyard scene and we had tony on this podcast as well to you know to talk about his experience there right um you made the decision though like you didn't necessarily want to quote unquote graduate from backyard wrestling under the indies i mean you stayed on the backyard wrestling scene and were content there weren't yeah yeah i was i was pretty content there because i i had well, training is a is a strong word, but I had trained some um which was really just like a money grab from a garbage local promotion which was worse than the backyard wrestling that I was doing um and then I got into the indie scene locally in Kentucky which is where I came up and where I trained and quote quote unquote trained um and got into the indie scene there and it was just really I don't know like uh, dated and and just bad and no one like on a political level there in the, in the wrestling scene. Like I, I wasn't over with the boys because I was doing too much and yada, 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 and did, you know, flippy kid and whatever. Um, so it really just put a sour taste in my mouth about just indie wrestling in general. And it wasn't easy to get out, get yourself out there back then. So I just kind of like said, Hey, I just want to do back to wrestling it's with my friends and we're having fun. And that's what, that's what it was for me. And fortunately for me, that that same sort of energy later, several years later, kind of carried over into the indie scene because a lot of my friends were in the indie scene and there were some of them were running promotions, the Beyond Wrestlings of the World, the Freelances of the World, the Resolute Wrestlings of the World um, were all being ran by my backyard friends. And then Tony Depp, and, you know, he was – he was buzzing in this in the indie scene, and fortunately, he was able to get me an opportunity to wrestle with GCW, which the rest is history there, which was oddly enough on their backyard show. Yeah. So 
yeah, really full circle there. So you were like, I'm going to, I'm trying to do the math here. When you started wrestling on the Indies regularly, I mean, you were about 30 years old at that time, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe 30, 31, something like that. This was like what? 2018, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I had started like, I mean, semi-regularly, maybe 2016, 17. Okay. Then, then yeah, like I actually went like, Hey, I'm going full time in 2019. And it was like April or so 2019. And then July went viral with the match uh, with Tony Deppin. And it was all just downhill from there. It was crazy. <laughs> still, still in a whirlwind from that. Yeah. I was going to mention that match where you became a, a viral sensation, as they say. Uh, you did a, I've seen it described as a 630 senton where you went over the top rope. Tony Deppin was on a, a door. Yeah, makeshift table. <laughs> a makeshift table. It was actually a door. <laughs> he was on he two was, chairs. Yeah. Right. A, a door on two chairs. Tony was prone, and you did this incredible move over the top rope, landed on top of him. Uh, it was amazing, and it was uh, like I said, it went it went viral. Um, yeah, thank you, had, thank you. Had you done that move? Was that the first time you attempted that, or had you done it before? No, that was, I mean, I had done 630s, but I'd never done a tope 630 over the yeah. top rope. Um, but I think the entire thing even came into my brain just through like sleep deprivation of driving all night to the show. <laughs> and then I get in the ring because I think I, like I was thinking about it. I was like, I wonder if that's a thing. Someone could do that. Not even like, I wonder if I could do it. I wonder if it could be done sort of thought while I was driving. And uh, then I get there and I'm standing in the ring. And I, uh, I'm just looking at the positioning. I was like, I think I could do that. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to do that. Hey, Tony, I'm going to do that. And he's like, all right, well, that's the finish then. And I was like, yeah, if I botch it, then we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's so, better be the finish, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you already answered my, the next question I was going to ask you then was like, what was going through your head? right before you did the move or you having second thoughts, but. Um, I, I try not to overthink anything like that because I think that's how you can get hurt. Yeah. Like you just really have to commit. And a lot of times when you get in your head, it'll cause you not to commit and stuff. So full send it. Yeah. I full asked Jeff, I asked years ago, I interviewed Jeff Hardy and asked him that uh, a similar question and he gave the exact same answer. You know, when he was doing some of his crazy, crazy, you know, jumps off of trucks and, you know. And he sent some crazy stuff. Yeah, Love some it. crazy stuff from, like, incredibly high heights. I remember one time on Raw, he was, like, jumped off the Tron. Or, I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, and so I, cool. I, my thought always goes to, like, what I just asked you. Like, when you're in the moment, like, you can plan to do it and say, all right, I'm going to do this. But once you're up there and you're looking down, or same with you, when you know you're about to do something that's really going to be, you know, right. Like, what's the last, you know, do you think about it? And Jeff said the same thing you did. He's like, no, man, I just, like, just go, just, just go do it. He's like, it's a I meditative, think, like, moment. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It's kind he's of like, crazy. If I think about it, he's like, that's when you get hurt. And that's when something. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. That's when it sucks. <laughs> what is that? I, I've, uh, what is that movie? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, I just remember this one quote from that movie is uh, whatever the little, I don't know. He's kind of like the com comedic relief character 
alongside the main character and some giant creature gets out and he's it's terrorizing the city whatever and the guy the little comic relief guy he's like terrified main character is super calm about it and he tells the guy hey he was like hey don't worry and the guy's like don't worry like how can you not worry and he was like well if you worry you just suffer twice and i was like that's awesome you know that that's yeah yeah it just stuck with me one of those things it's very philosophical all right here's a question i asked uh tony deppin as well about backyard wrestling and I, I i think you may have answered it a little bit um earlier is that the stigma of it um you know you always heard it you know don't try this at home mm-hmm. and, um, and and backyard wrestling. oh yeah it was it was a thing we had to hide from people when i was right. coming up in the indies the first time like oh don't let them know your backyard wrestling exactly. <laughs> but i guess what i'm going to ask you now is though has that it seems like it's become more accepted now. And like what was taboo earlier, I mean, obviously you don't want, you know, kids at home doing crazy stuff or whatever people can get. Right. Hurt. Right. But for like guys who have a, um, an affinity for it and, and are good at it, got, you know, again, mm-hmm. the Hardys, this is how they started out. Shane Helms. Uh, there's, you know, a bunch of people. Yeah. The list. Uh, yeah. The list. I think, you know, I we said Tony Depp and I think the young bucks started, you know, doing back mm-hmm. on trampoline or whatever. Um, do you think it's changed now to the point where like, if people know you came up on backyard wrestling, that there's no longer the, they look down on you for it or, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see any of that anymore. Maybe I'm just like oblivious too, but I don't see any of it anymore. And you have people like M dog 20. I think they helped, um, help that sort of stigma go away too, because you start to see some of these people, the Hardy boys, even Mick Foley, uh, M dog 20 and stuff like that. You start to see some of these people, they start like the boys start to look at them like legends, you know, cause we saw all this material from them um, before they were like anything. And then they become like household names and stuff. And like, so it's really, and because of that, I think it went from like this real frowned upon trash back thing to like, no, that's like super cool. Like these people, Followed their passion from such a young age and uh, achieved their dreams and stuff like that. So yeah, it's the, it's, I think it's changed a lot. And I see a lot of people come and talk to me about backyard wrestling and they're like, Oh, you were such an inspiration to me. I saw all your backyard stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's, I'm just like, wow. Like as a backyarder, you never expect any of that. You're just uploading silly clips that you <laughs> did with your friends, you know, and you don't, you know, you think you're probably not reaching anyone. And then, Next thing you know, like, I think uh, I heard recently, and I've known him for a while. I've known Facade for a while. And he's never mentioned that he had, like, was even aware that I backyarded. But evidently, he was, like, a fan of my backyard stuff. And, like, that helped him a lot or something like that. Some guy was telling me recently, either a podcast or a book or something that he had talked about it in. And I was like, what? I got to talk to this guy about it. So yeah, just different things like that. Um, And I hear a lot of the younger people now coming up and they're like, Oh, you versus Matt DeMorris in the backyard was like my favorite match of all time. And like, what? (laughs) My favorite match was like, I don't know, Austin versus Shawn Michaels or something, you know, it was like, (laughs) yeah. Well, facade, by the way, he's, he's uh, had some ring of honor matches. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I guess I should say as a as a what a public service announcement to any kids out there listening, um, still don't try that at home. Don't try backyard wrestling. 
wait till you're a little older and and get right. some get some get some training get some training that's that's what we have to say i know that's the best thing to do not everyone can be an alex zane not everyone's going to take to it the way alex zane did so that's uh, true exactly so just not everyone just gets away without breaking their neck or something very fortunate that's right all right all right well we're going to take our final break and then when we come back we're going to play 10 questions with alex zane oh man let's roll america roll up your sleeves to give blood you can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day ring of honor wrestling has once again teamed up with american red cross for sinclair cares roll up your sleeves make an appointment today to donate blood your donation will help save lives and impact countless more go to sinclaircares.com to schedule your appointment now All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast, having a great conversation with the sauce, Alex Zane. And uh, now we're going to play a little game we like to call 10 questions. Uh, the joke on here always is, I've just asked you a bunch of questions, but now I'm going to ask you 10 more. 10 more, here we go. <laughs> so, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What is something on your bucket list? And this can be as it pertains to pro wrestling, or it could just be your life bucket list. Um, my my wrestling bucket list, aside from maybe like people I want to wrestle and stuff like that, isn't really that vast because I, I don't like to limit myself too much. So I like to leave things kind of open, just roll with the punches. In my life bucket list, I really want to visit... Egypt, like ancient Egypt and, you know, all the touristy things. Like, that's a huge life bucket list. But I also, wrestling bucket list, I really want to, like, wrestle at Madison Square Garden and the Tokyo Dome. Like, those are two of my, two of my bucket list things. Yeah, those are two holy grails of, of pro wrestling, for sure. Right, right. Like, that's, man, you, you join this kind of list of, like, these are the people who have done it, you know, so. Have you been to the uh, Riviera Steakhouse? Oh, my God, that was my... That was my bucket list when I was over there, and it did not happen. I was trying so hard when I was over there. Like, uh, and I got sick actually when I was over there at one point, and that kind of um, threw a wrench in the plans. But I did get to go to uh, the, the Danger Steakhouse. Okay. Yeah, which was which was super cool, super cool experience. Um, but yeah, I would love to go to the to the Rivera Steakhouse and I want I want a jacket that's another wrestling bucket list thing yeah you gotta that, have, yeah was that question number two or was that like a one point? that was one a that was 1A. okay one a yeah. so if you're being <laughs> technical I guess there's gonna end up being like a nice bonus bonus all right question number two what's a subject you'd like to know more about mm. oh man I feel like I want to know more about everything such a um, probably like space, just like all, all space, all space. There, I feel like we don't know as, as a human species enough, like, man, there's so much we don't know, which is crazy. I heard recently that, uh, I think we know more about space than we do like the depths of the ocean, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah. I think that that's, that's true. I mean, we have no idea what's going on down there in the depth. yeah so maybe more about the ocean yeah not not even just for me like 
us as a human collective, I want to know more for us. <laughs> like I want, like, but I also want to be alive for the uh, experience of when we figure it out. Because I feel like it's probably hundreds of however many years away from figuring out some of the crazy stuff they're going to discover in the ocean. Well, if you want to know about space, maybe talk to the Ace of Space LSG. Probably fill you in on something. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask, I'll ask LSG about space. All right. Question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, alive or dead, who would it be? Mm. Because he is my all-time favorite wrestler, it would be Hayabusa. Mm. And and in this uh, exact, just so I can get two birds with one stone, it would be a conversation in fluent Japanese, because that would mean I would then know Japanese. Do you know any Japanese? I've studied with like Duolingo, but I am not good at uh, learning Japanese. I feel like I need to get more of like a class structure sort of thing, mm. or maybe like a one-on-one -on -one tutoring sort of thing. Okay. All right, question number four. Do you have any hidden talents? Um, no, I don't think so. No, don't sing, yeah. don't dance, nothing like that? No, no, I like I've had, been pretty like one track minded my whole life so what you see is what you get <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> i draw i don't think people know that i draw well yeah. that's a hidden yeah that's a hidden talent yeah so that's probably hidden sometimes it doesn't feel hidden to me because i you know I, i'm not like hiding it <laughs> but yeah like i don't i guess publicize it but yeah I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty good with a with a pencil and paper okay like what kind of stuff do you draw just out of curiosity Oh man, I've drawn so much like weird stuff. I like, I like uh, sort of like a realism, but like surreal stuff. So it's like, I don't know, fantasy esque, but it's like still realistic. So like a surrealism sort of thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of surrealism, question number five. What a perfect segue. Have you yeah. ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in its existence? Oh man. I think to not believe in it would just be like admitting like willful, willful ignorance in a way because it's not like been disproven, so to speak, right? So it's like, if I say I don't believe in it, it's kind of just saying like, I know something that I have no way of knowing. Um, so I, I definitely believe in the possibility of it. Uh, I have experienced weird things that have no other explanation than paranormal. So yeah, I guess, I guess I believe in it in a way. Okay. Well, I mean, weird. What, this is another, uh, you know, sub question. What, what's, what's one, do you have one that comes to mind, like a, a weird experience that you can't explain? So I had this, um, well, we lived in this house back in Kentucky when I was, I don't know, maybe 14, 15, some 15, maybe. And my brother, he's like seven years younger than me. And we used to stay up and watch wrestling and whatever. And I had, I remember I had like this weird sort of side table thing. And there was a foam hand that like, it was a Hardy Boys foam hand from a show that I had went to. And I had that like set up on the table and I had this dude love, like plushy sort of thing that had like this hard rubber head. And it was supposed to be if you like slammed it it would say like catchphrases and it had two or three different catchphrases. And I just remember one of them was 
oh, have mercy, right? <laughs> and it was sit up against that foam hand, but the but the thing hadn't worked in like a couple years or longer. It had like stopped working. Like you could slam it, you could beat the beat it with a hammer. It was not going to speak to you. But I I just had it set up like displayed or whatever, and it was leaning against that foam hand. And my young and we had had so many just like different experiences, lights and TVs and hearing footsteps and hearing different things in this house. Um, and then on this night, I'm laying there, my little brother's like lying next to me, we're watching wrestling, we're in my room watching wrestling. And uh, this is like around the time when I start saying like, okay, you go to your room, we're gonna sleep or whatever. And we're sitting there as the wrestling shows, like whatever it is, maybe it's Raw, maybe it's SmackDown something. And um, that toy, the dude love toy just starts, it just says, oh, have mercy. <laughs> and we just like look at each other with a side eye, right? And we're like, what? And then it just says it again. And then it says it again. And then it says it again. And then oh. my younger brother who like, like we had always kind of made these like ghost jokes and, and they, I think they were kind of like coping mechanisms for us, like for the whole family here in the house. And he's like, Oh, hi ghost or whatever. And it just stops. Wow. Oh, yeah. So then I'm sitting there and like, this is still like a crazy thing. I'm sitting there watching the rest of the show. And my brother, who's probably, I don't know, eight or something at the time, um, falls asleep. I didn't even know he's asleep. And the thing says, oh, have mercy. And I look over to be like, oh, it's doing it again, right? And I look over and he's asleep. And so I just like, now I feel like alone <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> and it's, I look over at the thing and it says, oh, have mercy. And as soon as it says it the next time, and I'm just looking at it, the foam hand just like flies off the table. And I'm really? like, yeah, so I immediately just like woke him up and we ran downstairs. And I'm like 14, 15 years old, way too old to be running from ghosts in in the in the realm of like a high school student, you know. Um, I mean, did it ever happen again with those objects or was this like a No, it never happened again. And after that, like like a good twenty four hours after that, after when I was like, Okay, I can go back in my room again. <laughs> I like went up there and even tried to, I was slamming it. I was trying to get it to talk. Never heard it speak again. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy thing. Well, that'd make a believer out of me. That's Yeah. I'm yeah. Doing. So, um, quite a, quite a, I guess, yeah, I'm pretty much a believer in the whole paranormal thing. What I love about that story too, is it, it you, you managed to, um, it's a wrestling story too. You managed, right, right. It ties wrestling in. Ties as, wrestling in. To, as my life tends to go, you can't yeah. really escape wrestling when you uh, start to pull on threads in my in my life. <laughs> All right. Question number six: Do you have a celebrity crush? And if you don't want to answer it for right now, did you have one growing up? Oh man. Um, growing up, I mean, it was kind of just like any and every female wrestler right mm. it's like they were all just like the celebrity crushes um like lita and trish stratus and victoria and all of them like super into all that um and then it was funny me and the same best friend who i came up backyarding with this was probably what 2018 2019 
we go to a Comic-Con and I'm just getting wrestling action figures signed because I collect a lot of wrestling action figures. And I remember we're walking up and I'm like getting the figure signed and I take a picture with Trish Stratus and Trish Stratus is like, wow, you look great. Like, are you, are you a wrestler? Like you look great. And I just look over at my like best friend and we both just like celebrate with our eyes because <laughs> Trish Stratus, the boyhood uh, crush had just like complimented me. So shout out to Trish Stratus. Boosted the confidence for like a solid week off that one. I was going to say, confidence had to be going through the roof. Yeah, through the roof. I was just walking around there, like, just talking the walk for the rest of the con, you know? <clears throat> All right, question number seven. What's the last show that you binge-watched or are currently binge-watching, if you do the binge-watching thing? For the first time ever, late as, uh, late as heck, <laughs> I am watching Sopranos. Wow, yeah. that, is, that is late. That is yeah, late. I'm super late to the game, and I'm loving it. Like, super good. I didn't I didn't expect it to be really what it is. It's super cool. Good show. Didn't, didn't I just see, like, isn't there, like, a Sopranos movie or something coming out? Like, a, a prequel or something like that coming out now? What? I don't know. I think I just saw that being advertised. Um, so, man, perfect timing for you. Once again, that's been a theme of today, is you being in the right place at the right time. Right, right. You do the Sopranos binge watching just as, as there's a new Sopranos project. Perfect. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. All right. Question number eight. Speaking of movies, uh, who would play Alex Zane in a movie about your life? Um, man, maybe like just because I've heard people say I look like him. Sometimes people have said that maybe Tobey Maguire, but I feel like I've also been told back before I, put on any muscle mass at all i looked like and this is probably just in my younger years but i've been told i look like dj qualls so like probably i'd probably end up with dj qualls like even though i'd want toby like it's like one of those situations where it's like hey here's the script i want toby mcguire to play me and they're like well best i can do is dj qualls <laughs> who who played the new guy if people don't and, and he played the new guy and he was also the skinny guy in um what is that movie is it Road Trip or something like that. Uh, was he in Road Trip? I think. Yeah, I think he's the one that ends up uh, with the big pair of leopard skin panties or whatever. Leopard uh, Okay, okay. It's yeah. been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it reminds me of uh, when you say that, like, you, you want you'd want like an a-list actor of course yeah yeah like oh leo dicaprio would play me totally and then it's like well here's joe schmo <laughs> it, re it reminded me of uh scream when nev campbell's like uh was it nev campbell who said it like i'll probably be played by tori spelling in the movie right, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you know i see the toby mcguire thing though i do i'm picturing toby with longer hair and you know sort of the the yeah, when he did it, when he does his little emo hair for a yeah, second, I see. Yeah, that. in the in the third movie, yeah, uh, the third Spider-Man movie, like his, like he's only done three movies or something. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, All right. Question number nine: What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? You just don't understand why it's popular. Um, for the longest time, it was Star Wars. Oh man, I'm with you on that. I'd never watched, I've still never watched it. And like, I'm like the worst Star Wars fan, I guess, because I really like uh, Mandalorian. I ended up watching that and was like, this is good. 
because my girlfriend is a Star Wars fan. And so we watched that and I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty good. And then I still haven't watched the movies. So I'm like the worst at Star Wars. I grew up, I'm an, I'm, I'm older, right? So I grew up when um, the movie came out in 77 and, and like everybody was like saying how great it was. And I went to see it and I was just like, Man, I don't really get it. And right. I watch it a few years later, like give it a second chance. And I still didn't get it. So mm. I, I, I didn't get it after the, the original movie. So I have not watched any Star Wars related project any movie, any, you know, spinoff or whatever. Right. I've not watched any of it just because I didn't dig the original. So yeah, the Mandalorian thing is just like a solid show. Like I'm sure I'm missing a lot of like the, the, the fan service of like, Oh, that was so cool. They included this, but is that the thing that Sasha Banks is in? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, it's actually really good. Once again, another wrestling connection. Yeah. Always, always, always. We've come to the final question. Question 10. What's the best advice you've been given about pro wrestling? Who gave it to you? Hmm. There, there's two, and they're both from the same day. And the first one comes from Cameron Grimes. It's my WWE debut. He walks up to me, and I don't know what caused him to even mention it. And he was like, hey, man. If you have any ideas, like don't hesitate to put them out there. Like everyone hesitates around here to put the ideas out there because they feel like, you know, they're stepping on toes or something like that. But at the end of the day, there's 150 wrestlers here and they have to write and come up with stuff for all of them. So if you're helping them by giving them ideas, then your idea will probably get used. And I, so that was just great advice. Not even, like, granted, it was for that time, but I think that goes across, like, that permeates all of wrestling. You know, don't be afraid to, like, if you have an idea, run with it, you know, whether that be run it up the ladder to whoever's in charge or just, like, do it. If, if it's something that you can just do on your own for your own social media or something. And then um, later that same night, I'm about to make my entrance and Shawn Michaels just says, Hey man, you only get one first time. So have fun. And it was literally right before I entered. And I remember just thinking, okay, I'm going to go have fun. (laughs) And that's what I did. And that's what I did. And it was a blast. And of course, like you have all those things in your head where it's like, oh, don't mess this up and do this right. And, oh, you know, you're trying to remember everything, whatever. And then it, I just like left all that right there behind the curtain and just went out and had fun. Well, I could say, I think both of those things uh, are, are great pieces of advice because having been, you know, working in creative and, and things like that, like I could tell you that ideas from talent are almost always welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's been that way. I mean, I know it's that way in Ring of Honor too. Like, it, if you have an idea, sometimes you know it's something that nobody else may have ever thought of, and it could turn right. out to be, to be something really, really good. So, again, I know in WWE, Vince McMahon would get upset if talent didn't pitch ideas. Of course, yeah. I mean, just... they, they didn't care. Like, you're just waiting right. to give you something. God damn it, give me something. You know, that's right. What, exactly. Exactly. Right? 
And, uh, and the Shawn Michaels advice, awesome too. And just the fact that it came from Shawn Michaels, the greatest. Right, it hit different. Yeah, it definitely did. Heartbreak Kid says, have fun. You're going to go have fun. You're going to have fun, damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of 10 questions. We've come to the end. Uh, before I let you go, Alex, do you want to give us uh, where people can find you on social media? You can find me now uh, in a few places at the new handle of Alexane Sauce um, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me most anywhere as just Alexane. I'm sure I'll still pop up as just Alexane on either one of these platforms as well. And yeah, there's alexane.com. If you all those social medias and different channels from YouTube to Twitch and everything else is listed there, as well as the sauce shop where you can get sweet saucy shirts. That's a lot of S's. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm all over the place. I'm not hard to find. Alexane, check it out. All right, and I'm gonna remind everybody once again. You can also find him this weekend. Ring of Honor Television, Alex Zane and Taylor Rust against yes. the shows. Uh, it'll be yes. on your local Sinclair channel. If you don't know what your local Sinclair channel is, go to ROHwrestling.com. You can put in your zip code and it'll tell you where to watch it. That's uh, right. But you can also watch it uh, a week from today on Monday on ROHwrestling.com. The episode will be there. And if you go to Twitter, if you watch the show, you start it right at 7 p.m. Eastern, go to Twitter. You can join the Ring of Honor watch party using the hashtag WatchROH. So that's a match I, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to. I'm also the boys are going to get the sauce. <laughs> the boys are going to get the sauce. All right, some sauce on the, on the, on the, uh, on the chicken, right? We got that's chicken. right. Yes. All right, well, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm also looking forward to somewhere down the line. Again, it'll be on Ring of Honor television in the future. Bandito defending the Ring of Honor World Championship against Alex Zane. Alex, man, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for being Me on the too. show. Thank you. Thank you so and much. For giving me so much of your time. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. And it's great to see you back in Ring of Honor. And good luck. Great to be you. back. Great to be back. I want to thank everybody out there as well for listening to the show. And I want to remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHwrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.